0: Please take your seats quickly, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome back to The Passing Shot. I hope you all had a lovely time off over the festive break, maybe had a mince pie or two, but now truly refreshed and ready for the new tennis season. Bring it on. everyone and welcome back to a new season of the passing shot the tennis podcast by fans for fans with your hosts joel and kim kim how are you doing Did you have a lovely time off over the the christmas break
1: yeah it's been been nice and relaxing i've eaten way too much food as per um now feeling slightly under the weather as a result uh how was your christmas joel
0: oh it was, it was pretty standard i think i you know went home was with the family tried to watch some tennis, but realised there wasn't much tennis on <laughs> and have been looking forward to the new season ever since.
1: Yeah, I think, thank God we have like, you know, all the tennis on the Australian Open to kind of get us through January. <laughs> I feel like it's just quite miserable at this time of year, isn't it? I
0: know and we can look forward to like all the I can I can see some warm weather on on the screen in uh, in January which I was it does make me a little bit jealous but uh yes we are entering the new season a new decade as well 2020 and uh you know I think you know we've had all the time and we've reviewed last season you know all, everyone's reviewed the last decade in tennis but now it is time to look forward and to look forward to the 2020 season on the ATP and WTA tours as well as british tennis and me and kim are going to get stuck in in this episode previewing all that's necessary for the upcoming season and give our predictions as well you know probably kim our terrible terrible start of the year predictions
1: yeah i mean <laughs> we won't judge shall we Let, let's just say that much though <laughs> they're, they're going to be dire um but yeah i know i can't believe it's gonna be a new decade i was a phone in on the radio this morning and it was kind of asking you know what's your favorite moment of the last decade been and i was thinking oh i don't know what my standout moment would have been maybe rafa winning wimbledon and then i was like that was actually in 2008 which wasn't even in the last decade <laughs> uh, i know he won it in 2010 but you know i, I meant the you know the epic match with federer so I was like, "Ah, oh, my sense of timing is completely out. But yeah, let's let's begin. Should we, let's begin with the ATP side of things. Um, we've got a new event kicking off on the 3rd of January, the ATP Cup. Um, so players are getting ready for that. And well, it's a lot of sort of controversy over this one, isn't there, Joel? A lot of people think it's utterly pointless. A lot of people are lamenting the loss of the Hopman Cup. Um, is this going to be a success? What do we think?
0: Well, I think I think the jury's out. I think they've had a an inauspicious start. You know, they've had you know big players dropping out. Uh, you know, Andy Murray of course recently, uh, Roger Federer's not playing. Um, you know, I've been seeing on social media that they've been handing out free tickets, which suggests you know the crowd numbers might not be up to you know what they were hoping. Um, and even I've been reading about um, you know fires in Sydney that could threaten. Uh, you know, like the the air quality, you know, for the you know the matches in Sydney that could you know be you know a bit tricky. So I think you know there's t- certainly some some challenges, but I think I think almost for me the biggest challenge is the fact that you know we were there, we were at the Davis Cup in November, which is a you know a team based tournament for for men, um, and we've got it's what feels like an identical thing, just you know in another country, like literally what. six Six weeks weeks later six weeks later
1: (laughs) i know Um, it does seem a bit bizarre it's like unnecessary duplication of a team uh tennis event you know uh like in this one there's 24 countries but you've got a mix of singles and doubles uh you've got how many groups are there one two three four five six six groups of four um it's just it seems unnecessary um in terms of having sort of Especially so close together in the calendar, to very similar events.
0: I agree, and I think, like you know, we were in Madrid, and you know the way they were branding it was, you know, the World Cup of tennis. And you know, I looked at the ATP Cup, and I was like, well, hang on, I what does the that ATP
1: make Cup- then?
0: <laughs> yeah, the ATP <laughs> Cup could be the World Cup of tennis as, as well. And um, yeah, you know, it's a it's a knock. It's essentially it's a knockout tournament format is very similar. Um, you know, I guess the you know one of the bigger biggest differences I guess is that this will be over, you know, a country. This is in different, you know, parts of Australia whereas obviously the Davis Cup was in, you know, one one city in Madrid. Um but, you know, we will we will have, you know, Novak Djokovic is playing, you know, Rafael Nadal is playing, um, you know, Dominic Thiem is playing. You know, there are there are big players there. You know, Dimitrov as well, but um, you know, it feels you know, I think I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna be, opt- I'm gonna be open-minded. You know, I was a bit kind of nervous about the 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 revamped Davis Cup, and I, you know, I ended up having a great time. Um, so I think, you know, I think more will be learned from it once, you know, once we've had the event. And I think, you know, I think there are some people who are being, you know, a bit pessimistic. There are some people being a bit optimistic. Um, but yeah, I'm gonna wait and see and you know, how it unfolds. I think the thing that interests me, I think, is how the players are going to interpret it because. You know, this is replacing the Hotman Cup, and the Hotman Cup was a bit more, you know, relaxed and, you know, a nice way to kind of, you know, bed into the season. This is kind of like the first event, you know, third of January, you know, just after, you know, n- you know, New Year's Day or whatever. Is this going to be full throttle, hundred um, percent intensity from from day one of the new season?
1: Yeah, it will be interesting because, you know, it's the start of the year. So some players might get caught short and that might make for some kind of surprising results, I suppose. Um, But also what does differentiate this tournament from, say, the Davis Cup is they are trying out a kind of quite a lot of new things. So I think it's the first time that on-court coaching is going to be allowed at an ATP event. Um, And they're they're going to change the way they do that. So they're not having kind of like benches at the side of the umpire's chair. They're having what what's called team zones, which is going to be in the corner of the court. Um, and I think they're, very, they're going very technological, aren't they, Joel? So they're having all these like real-time stats, uh, insights, data, um, I don't know, all the stuff that you get when you're watching the telly basically, but they're going to be able to access it in real time. So the coaches can kind of... You know, I guess show the players at a change of ends. Oh, look, this is what you're doing wrong, and they can demonstrate it with actual, real time stats, uh, which is quite cool. Um, you know,
0: I love the idea. So this is from their, it's from the ATP Cup website. They've listed their top ten ATP Cup innovations. And Number two is a strategy room will give unprecedented access to match analysis and debriefing tools to captains and their teams. In my head, it feels like this is like a. You know, like a a, a war like a a war war room or something. Right? How do we take? How do we take down Moldova? Uh, uh, You know, I can just see like I don't know, like Dimitrov like strategizing in this, (laughs) moving some like moving some like counters across a map or something. I don't. don't know. Um, It's
1: like playing Risk. uh,
0: Yeah, Um, exactly. I also
1: love the LED integrated umpire's chair. Like, what what do they mean by that? I'm sort of picturing the umpire. You know, like the mechanized chairs where they just sort of get lifted up i'm just picturing that with like flashing lights while they're lifting (laughs) the umpire up but i don't think that's what they mean um i I don't know i kind of wish it was
0: what i kind of hope it is what they mean that'd be (laughs) great like flashing flashing lights if like i don't know the uh during the during the the set change or, or whatever i don't know but one of the other things interestingly they are bringing in um is video review uh for any sort of contentious decisions now I, you know this is i feel like a hot topic not just in tennis but in, in generally in sport you know we you know in the premier league at the moment var seems to be in conversation literally like every every weekend and um you know it is coming into the tennis world um from what i understand this has been um in place in uh the next gen finals but it is now coming to the atp cup as well so any kind of contentious decisions that the the umpire kind of rules on um he is i guess able to now you know get a second chance and you know if he deems it like i guess a clear and obvious error he can reverse his uh reverse his decision
1: yeah i don't know how often like they'll actually need to to use this because i think it's for things like double bounces um i don't know I don't know in what sort of um, context would it uh, would it be foot faults that that sort of thing um, where they'd want another opinion, Uh, but yeah, I think I mean I hope it does come out and get used because it'd be interesting to see whether we really need something like this in tennis going forwards or whether it's kind of a waste of money. Uh, But yeah, I mean they're making history by being the first, first. uh, Well, no, I mean the next gen was the first, um, but kind of the first. The first, well, um, this is the first eighty. Is this the first what, event that will have ranking points that is going to be using it? I don't know. I don't know what I'm saying, but <laughs> um, all, I'm,
0: all I'm all I'm picturing is Nick Kyrgios is going to get a foot fault uh, against I'm him, and mad. he's going to do little. He's going to do the little VAR like square sign to the umpire, and
1: uh, he's is Kyrgios's like... ban still in effect? So if he does something naughty in this tournament. Is oh, it still well, within yeah. the um, time frame of his of his ban? Because Davis Cup didn't it count, be. did it? Because it's only ATP. Yeah. So I think he's still got to behave for like maybe a month. Well, <laughs> mm.
0: well, we'll see if that we'll see if that holds that holds true. But uh, yeah, ATP Cup. It's going to be uh, yeah. I think it's going to be it's going to be interesting. I think there are going to be upsets, as you said. I think you know this is the start of the season. I think some players will start you know, quicker than others. And I'm yeah curious to see how, you know, how, you know, how seriously like players take it. Obviously, you know, they brought in ranking points to add that, you know, to add that, I guess, that credibility and, you know, to make sure these matches, you know, are competitive because, you know, the Hotman Cup, you know, was a great event, but, you know, that didn't have ranking points. So, you know, you know, we'll see whether kind of, you know, this is going to be kind of, you know, very full throttle, hundred percent competitors. You know, I'm I'm expecting it to be. You know, these are you know these are going to be players playing for their country. Um, you know, I think that should be, enough. obviously that will be enough to kind of you know get the you know to give you know to get them to give their all. Um, I just think it's a shame that you know, as I said, we're not going to have Andy Murray, not going to have Roger Federer, and and you know they those were though they were going to be in the same they were going to be in the same group. Yeah. Um, and and now I think you know the top. The top players in, um, in that group are you know Dimitrov and, uh, Dimitrov and Goffan. So you know I think I think also Moldova came in. You know Switzerland because Federer didn't play, Vavrinka didn't play. You know Moldova have come in. So you know I think there's. I'm not sure about kind of maybe the you know the consistency of quality across the whole you know event. Um, You know, I'm, as I said, I'm particularly looking at Group C, Belgium, Great Britain, Bulgaria and Moldova, you know, of what, top, I think of top 40 players. I think genuinely, I think it's only like David Goffin and, and Dimitrov.
1: Which I think that group is the one that they were trying to give out free tickets to. I think the Bulgarian fans were being offered free tickets or something so we'll see how how many bums are actually going to be on seats when we when we tune in uh from friday i suppose um but yeah well let's see how that goes i don't want to knock it until we've seen it because it could be i'm sure it's still going to be fun you know great way to start the the season off i'm sure people are still going to enjoy it but it's just i'm sure that i'm sure they'll take things on board and refine it for for 2021 uh, seems so far away now. Um but yeah, let's go and talk about the slams. So obviously AO is like soon to be upon us. Um I mean, you know, last season Novak and Rafa two slams apiece. Do we think that 2020 is going to be like the first year where someone outside of the top 3 actually kind of breaks through and, and wins a slam? I mean, we've had a couple, you know, from Stan and and such like, but it's been a while, hasn't it, since anyone really has has cracked it.
0: I feel like this is a conversation that just ha- it just comes up at this time of year at the start of every at the start of every season. Um I know. You know, but- I think we, we we are like slowly, slowly inching closer closer. And, you know, last season, you know, I think there were basically three standout players, you know, who you'd look at and think, well actually, yeah, they could win a grand slam and and you know, they are, you know, Dominic team stefan Tsitsipas and daniel medvedev who you know at the us open he was probably the closest at breaking breaking that deadlock in that epic you know five set match against uh you know nadal in in flushing meadow but you know i think i think if it does happen i think it's going to come i think it's going to come from one of those three players
1: yeah i i would definitely agree um and possibly with the exception of team uh, on on a clay court is probably going to come at either the Australian open or the U S open, because Mm. I just, you know, grass and clay is generally a bit harder possibly to, to come through. But I mean, I think, yeah, definitely those three players, I wouldn't look beyond them um, for for a a new slam. We're not, I'm struggling to think of anyone beyond them to be fair (laughs) this season that it could be del potro if he's fit which is a question for the ages
0: <laughs> i mean is del potro ever fit for longer than three months i don't know but like i think like there, i there could be there may be, there could be a rogue person that's not on our radar you know again make waves kind of similar is verev
1: yeah but i just i can't See, I mean, he's not done anything really in slams up to now. What, what's going to yeah. be the What's going to be the change in that respect? Uh, I mean, I, I hope he does something <laughs> at some point in a slam, but I just, being realistic, can't see it being this year. Um, I mean, I think arguably what I'm more interested in is looking for like breakout players at a slightly lower ranking so like the Yannick Sinners of the world um, or looking to see what you know Felix OJ Aliassim can do because obviously his season was pretty curtailed by an injury about halfway through Um, you know there's quite a lot of players in that kind of next-gen category I suppose Um, you know it'd be really interesting to see if they can have a deep run at a slam a semi-final perhaps I don't know I feel like that's where I'm more interested and excited about going (laughs) forwards.
0: Yeah, I think it, it is interesting because I think there are players now who are, you know, I, I wouldn't say necessarily say they're like next gen, but they're now at a point where they need to kick on. And I think one of those players for me who had a really good end to the season is Shapovalov, who, um, you know, he's got, got a new coach um, and yeah, did really, you know won his first uh, ATP title, t- I think, towards the end of last season. And I'm kind of keen to see how, you know, he kicks on again with, Ojeh, Aliassim, nick kyrgios dare i say is he gonna actually have like a breakout an actual breakout season is he going to do all the things that we we were kind of like expecting like you know a few seasons ago um again i've got my i got my eyes on him uh but yeah uh i mean who else that casper rude um Kekmanovic, there's you know, there's a few there's a few yeah there's a few players out there you know who i think can kind of you know can kind of catch 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 the eye you know similar i guess how you know berrettini did you know last season
1: yeah um mm.
0: uh and go kind of into you know second second week of, of grand slam sort of uh territory
1: absolutely um Yeah, Berrettini is another one, actually, that would be interesting to see if he can maintain kind of the form of last year. And I think, you know, he's got quite a lot of points, actually, that he'll have to defend. So a lot of the players that we saw rise up last year, if they can't maintain it, they're going to go back down again. So, yeah, I mean... I don't think any of us have put in our predictions, any of these players, to actually win slams. So um, we're still going with the old guard, I think, very much, aren't we, Joel? But we'll get onto that a bit later. Let's talk about the women, uh, WCA. Um, Number one ranking, let's maybe start there. Obviously, it was a bit of a hot potato in the season just gone. But I don't know, is Ash Barty ready to be kind of a long-term number one? Do we think it's going to be a much more stable year at the top of the women's rankings with just a handful of players sort of at the deep end of all the slams? Or is it still just going to be, I don't know, eight different finalists across the course of the year in the slams?
0: I I like to think there might be some more stability, but I think the reality is I I wouldn't be surprised if we get kind of like four different Grand Slam champions. I wouldn't be surprised if we get someone, you know, like an Andreescu from outside you know, the top 10 or top 20 or whatever come in and, you know, blitz a competition. Cause I still think it is very, I still think it is very kind of unsettled at the top. Um, you know, I think Ash Barty is a very, is a very good tennis player. You know, she seems to have the technical ability, you know, the movement around a tennis court. Um, I think one thing that I think potentially holds her back is, you know, she's not very intimidating, you know, she's, just you know, she's five foot five and, you know, I th- she can't beat players on on power, like on power alone. Um, you know, I think she will be the. I still think she will probably be the one to beat you know, at the Australian Open. You know, with her home crowd. Do you not um, think her
1: home crowd's going to get to her? Like, I just feel like that. I would say she's got a great chance of winning it, but I just feel like being at home, you, maybe the pressure, that'll the, the nerves. Yeah, I just, I just feel that that's going to be a, a drawback for her. I think she's
0: really, I think she's really kind of down to earth and like won't let that sort of th- like stuff get to her. But I think the issue you have with that sort of like laid back and you know down to earth approach is that yeah you know, you're world number one and it's you need that sort of competitive mentality, that sort of you know win at any cost sort of approach. And you know, I think uh, you know, I don't know if she's like a, you know, a player where you know if she loses, she'd just be like yeah well it just wasn't like my day as opposed to kind of like oh yeah I'm gonna like really try next time and and you know work on you know x y and z but um you know I think there's kind of like you've got Ash Barty and I think you know you've got this kind of chasing pack and again I think you know, any of these players could potentially be number one across the season you know you know Naomi Osaka you that she's not number one I think she plays you know, better tennis, uh, Andreescu, of course, Serena Williams. Um, you know, I think there's a lot of players that can definitely is are definitely looking at that number one spot and thinking this is up for grabs this season.
1: Yeah, for sure. I mean, I would say, yeah, the, those three names that we've mentioned, Barty, Andreescu, and Osaka, are for me the three to be. I'd I'd throw Halep in there um, as well. Um, yeah, it's going to be a really interesting season. Um, I think we can really. Hopefully, get some really consistent, deep rivalries going between those top three, um, and then if Serena can be thrown into the mix as well, then all the better. Um, it will be really. I think if Serena doesn't get any slams this year, I, I don't think she ever will. Kind of break Margaret Court. I think this is like the just the pivotal year for her career because I just don't see her doing it if she do, can't do it this season.
0: Yeah, I think
1: that. I, I think that was a good
0: point you raise in that I think that for this season what I'm hoping the most from 2020 is that we get some we get some rivalries going across the whole season some you know some matches between Barty and Osaka Osaka, Andreescu, you know, these are these are rivalries that could define that could define not just the season, they could define the decade. Um, so I'm just kind of hoping that we get like, you know, all these players are able to stay fit across the whole season. They can battle each other and all the you know different court surfaces, because I think, you know, you've got some really interesting, you know, polar opposite sort of matchups there particularly you know Osaka Andreescu, who had a, an absolute ding dong you know in in Asia last at the end of last season um so you know I, I think that's the one thing i think for me i'm kind of hoping for the most i think you know is the you know that we get some rivalries that could you know potentially be you know the rafa roger rivalry you know on the atp side but for the, the wta side for for you know the the decade of of 2020
1: that would be great, although we may be getting ahead of ourselves by daring yeah, to I, draw such comparisons. But, I dare them. <laughs> I dare them. Dare to Defy, be great. Though. What will define the decade? I love that. Um, but also Coco Goff. you know, she. what's she going to do um, in the next year? There's lots of things to be excited about. Um, and we've got Kim Clijsters coming back as well at, at some point. It's been delayed a bit. Cause she got a... Uh, was it a, a knee injury Doing while well, she was playing paddle? Uh, so she's in rehab for that. <laughs> I think she's just come back to the court, but she, she won't be playing the Australian Open, uh, which was her intention to do so originally. I think she's due yes. back um, in Monterey and then Indian Wells. So we'll have to wait a bit longer for, for Kim come back.
0: Yeah. And how, how do you, how do you see that comeback going? I mean, you know, she came, I think she came back from retirement before like one. I think she won the Australian yeah. Open. You know, do, we, do we see her as a, uh, do we see her as a Grand Slam contender based on, you know, her previous, uh, you know, array of titles? Do we think injury is going to be a factor? I mean, it's not a great. It's not a great start, you know, announcing your comeback and then having to postpone it by, you know, a couple of months. Um,
1: Yeah, I I feel like she's going to take it, you know, small steps, first things first. Um, I don't think, I I wouldn't rate her if it's a long, drawn-out match and fitness comes into it. I mean, I'm sure she is, Mm. you know, incredibly fit, but I think against sort of players who've been playing at the high level, you know, for the last couple of years, initially that's going to be really tough for her. And yeah, I think staying injury-free will probably be like the number one thing um but yeah I mean I'd love to see her do do well because you know I really like Kim Clijsters um so I think it's it's great she's coming back or trying to come back and uh we await to see what will happen um but I think Joel let's go for a quick ad break okay Joel so let's let's move our attentions to British tennis Um, I guess Number one off the top of everyone's lips is Andy Murray. What's he gonna be doing in twenty twenty? He had such an up and down twenty nineteen. Um <laughs> and I guess his twenty twenty hasn't started that great. He's announced that he's not gonna be at the Australian Open due to a, a pelvic injury that I think he sustained during the Davis Cup.
0: Yeah, because we we were obviously at the Davis Cup and we were hoping Oh, I mean, I was probably more expecting to see you know, Andy Murray in singles action or even on, on a tennis court. But um, yeah, he had that he had that match against the, that player from the Netherlands that took three hours. Uh, and uh, yeah, I think he I don't know if it was then or if it was before then and it got worse during that match. But um, yeah, it's taken more time. You know, than he was expecting. I guess to to recover from, and obviously, you know, he's you know with his injury, you know, troubles, you know, with his hip. Of course, you know, he's not obviously going to take any chances. And you know, as tempting, you know, as it must be to you know go go to Melbourne and and play the Australian Open, you know, and complete that you know crazy narrative of you know getting a retirement video, you know, a year before. And, and, you know, gracing the courts once again, you know, 12 months after, you know, it just was, it, it's still a, just a, a frustratingly for British tennis fans a, a step too far.
1: Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's a shame for anyone like going to the AO who had the hopes of seeing him. But um, hopefully it will mean, you know, the rest of his season will be much less uh, interrupted. I think his first tournament is going to be Montpellier. Yeah. Um, in february um if if all goes to plan now so yeah we will await to see uh what he's doing but it's just so nice that i guess you know if you think back to all those press conferences he did at the start of you know 2019 and we thought that was it so to have him still in in the discussion if you like is is fantastic In you know in the wider scheme of things
0: (laughs) And what do you think? What, what what do you think his ranking is going to be like Ooh. at the end of at the end of the season?
1: Fifty four. Is he going to
0: be back at? Is he going to be British number one?
1: Oh. Is he the end the season? British number one. He he could well be. Um, I mean, I'm really hoping Carl Edmund and Dan Evans are gonna have fantastic seasons and Cam Norrie. So I I'm hoping the but, British
0: number one is not gonna be 54
1: in the world. Yeah, I know, yeah. That would be great <laughs> if that was British number four at 54 in the world. Um but we've also got Joe Conter, who um is a bit touch and go, I think, for whether she's gonna be at the AO because she's been struggling with a knee injury, which I think she's actually had for most of last year sort of similar to tendonitis and she's just been managing it um but she's still traveling to australia i think um she's just gonna i think wait and see and i mean hopefully she'll be ready but i guess you know she's got to do what's right for her honey her but we haven't seen her play since the u.s open so um if she does play you know i, I wouldn't have too high expectations i guess
0: no i think yeah she. i think she plans to play Brisbane and Adelaide. And I think she will know once she steps on a court, you know, if she's going to be you know, ready for the AO, but you know, she had a, she had a fantastic season last season. I think the, the biggest missed opportunity, missed opportunities was, was getting to a grand slam final um, because that was definitely within, within a grasp.
1: Yeah, that semi with Von Drusover. Um I yeah, know they I know. played on like Court Twelve or whatever, but it was <laughs> yeah, not ideal. But that that was probably the most frustrating out of her her Slam losses. Um, you know, because it was very close and she had set points. And you know, I just yeah, it would have been great to see her in the final. But you know, uh, that's not to say she can't get to that position again and 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 do it this time. So. Um, yeah, fingers crossed for Conta. We'll see what happens when she steps on court uh, in Brisbane. And then, um, well, Kyle Edmund's starting in Doha, I think, at the start of the season. So he's not at the ATP Cup. So, ATP Cup, we've got what? Dan Evans, Cam Norrie, James Ward, James has, Ward. has appeared, yep. stepped in, mm-hmm. uh, Jamie Murray, and Joe Salisbury. So, um, which interestingly, James Ward has stepped in, but he's not actually sort of our highest ranked alternative that could have been what jay clark or liam brody but they weren't mm. sort of they didn't put themselves forward um by the deadline as being available to play so they have missed out um but you know again we'll, we'll see what what i mean james ward he's he's such a sort of legend isn't he of the british tennis scene so who knows he might he might do extremely well. Spring a surprise? Yeah. yeah. I mean good for I
0: him. Mean, I, I mean let's be honest. I mean as I said the group is Belgium, Great Britain, Bulgaria and Moldova so and we that is not
1: Moldova's That is not ball. a
0: yeah that is not a like a really I, I mean there are some solid players there but you know this is this is not kind of it all hangs on you know, we've got a good doubles team. Um, you know, I uh, you know, I'm I'm optimistic. I think I kind of I'm kind of most interested, I think, in, you know, the fact that, you know, this is not this is a team competition, but we're not gonna have Leon Smith there as coach for Great Britain. We're gonna have Tim Hemman. Tim who, Henman, yeah. Who, you know, I, I just think Tim Hemman, you know, post playing career, I just think BBC commentator for for Wimbledon. So, you know, it's funny to it's gonna be interesting to see, you know, to for him, you know, how how he handles um you know coaching coaching the team um you know you know i think i said this last season you know is this kind of a pathway to being leon smith's successor um you know i guess that will depend on how you know successful he is but um you know i think that is interesting in that you know you know this sort of tournament you know is this sort of kind of Grounds for experimentation in in team tennis, which you might not, you know, you wouldn't want to do at you know the Davis Cup because of, you know, its its prestige, or you know, is this sort of like a tournament that is more kind of you can experiment with with different coaches, or is it a bit more kind of like it's just like big names get as many big names as possible in or around a tennis court.
1: Well maybe Tim's gonna, you know, make use of that real time statistics that will be like flying around in the in the team zone so he can <laughs> I don't know, use his his experience now in broadcasting and commentating. Well I guess he would have those statistics mm, and use yeah. that in a, you know, on court setting. But yeah, it'll be interesting to see how he how he fares. Um and just lastly, we've also got Katie Balter, who I think is intending to play the Australian Open. She's been out since well the fed cup last year but she is playing the australian <laughs> open on a protected ranking so it'll be interesting to see you know how well she does if she can actually get back uh, to full fitness um i know there was quite a yeah. lot of consternation about her um her actions around the french open last year a lot of people were a mm. bit you know what's the word Angry uh, or eyebrow, eyebrow, eyebrow raising. raising about what she did. You yeah, know they felt she was sort of cheating the system, but I mean yeah. that's uh, another matter for another day, I suppose. But um, yeah, but so Joel, like we've had a bit of a, a chat now. Who do you think is going to win? Like, I mean, who have you put down as your predictions for the upcoming season? We want grand slams, wow. um, Olympics. We've also got the Olympics. Who's going to win the Olympics? And also your year-end number one ranking for the men's and women's.
0: Yes, I've thought, long, Kim. <laughs> I've thought long and hard about this. Uh, you know, uh, you know. I think on the men's side, you know, The big question, obviously, going through my head was, is this just going to be a monopoly between the big, the big three? Is someone going to break it? If so, who is going to break it? So. For me, on the men's side, uh, I've got Nadal as Australian Open champion. Oh, I hope you're right. <laughs> but I have French Open champion as Dominic Team. Oh, I hope you're I wrong.
1: Think... <laughs> as a Rafa <laughs> fan, <laughs> but anyway,
0: um, I think I think Wimble- I think Wimbledon may be a bit optimistic here, but I think uh, the pain of the defeat from last year. I think Roger Federer is going to come back. And uh, win uh, Wimbledon 2020. And then I think US Open, I'm going to go Novak Djokovic because I think this is going to be, because of the Olympics, this is going to be a long and tough season. And we know that Djokovic is just like an absolute machine when it comes to playing tennis. And I think that towards the end of the season, I think he will come into his into his own so I'm going to go Novak Djokovic uh US Open champion what what do you have men's men's uh men's champions on on your grand slams
1: slams. uh well I've I've gone kind of quite traditional I suppose so Australian Open I've just gone for Djokovic again because I mean how many of them has he won in the last decade Mm. like pretty much all of them um And then Roland Garros, I've gone for Rafa, which, I mean, yeah, like, obviously, what, is he a 12-time champion? I'm hoping he never loses ever there, but, you know. It's going to have to happen at some point, Kim. I'm sorry to tell you this. He'll be going for, what, his 13th? So that is an unlucky number, so I'm sort of... "Mm." Yeah, Um, mm. Wimbledon, I've just gone for Djokovic again, because, again, he's won most of the last, I don't know how many... (laughs) Um, and then I've gone for a bit a bit of a different one at the US Open. I've gone for Stefano Sitzapass because I just thought, well, I feel like I should throw in a new name. Well, not a new name, but you know, not not a big three mm-hmm. player. And I, I haven't gone for Federer. I've I've lost faith in Federer. Um so I've gone for Sitzapass. Which obviously well, if he he needs to do his schedule a bit better because by the US Open of of last year, this year. We're still in 2019 as we're recording this. You know, he was very burnt out by that point, so I'm hoping he'll, you know, have revised his schedule so that he can he can peak and make my prediction mm. come true.
0: <laughs> okay, well, let's let's move on to our women's predictions for the Grand Slams in 2020. I think for me, this was a bit this was a bit harder. I feel like you know, this is like, I've, as I said, I think the, there's grounds here for some rogue person to come in and win a grand slam which you definitely think but we'll get onto that in a sec um but my my four my 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 picks are australian open i'm gonna go for serena williams i think i think finally i think finally she is going to to do the business and and win um win a grand slam in margaret in margaret court's
1: Backyard. That would um, be quite French. Good if she did it. Sort of. I get. Well, it wouldn't be in in the arena itself, would it? I suppose, but it would be quite nice to, you know, to nudge her aside by doing it in Australia. Mm. I suppose.
0: So I'm going to go Serena Williams Australian Open French Open. I'm just going to say Simona Halep. I just think she's the best clay court player. Mm. So, therefore, I'm going to put her as French Open champ. Wimbledon. I've gone for Barty, but. I'm not I still think I actually think that could be anyone's to be honest um and then US Open I've gone for Serena again I just oh. think I think yeah I think Serena is gonna I think Serena is gonna have a swan song I think it's gonna be 2020 and yeah US Open it's gonna be a Serena Williams Kim Clijsters throwback <laughs> ladies final
1: <laughs> amazing oh wow uh,
0: and serena williams is, is going to win Lindsay davenport's going to be there court side uh along with Justine seen no i'm joking uh, <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah i see serena i think oh yeah for some reason i've just got a hunch that you know serena has you uh, like everything kind of equals out and you know she's had rotten luck um or not been at the races you know getting to grand slam finals and and just kind of just being you know, obliterated by, like you know, Halep at Wimbledon, whatever. Uh, so I think like she will now get her uh, due rewards, and yeah, I'm, I see her picking up Australian Open, U.S. Open.
1: Nice. Well, I mean, if if your predictions are right, Joel, then she she makes history <laughs> again. So uh, yeah, I've gone for Halep for the Australian Open. Um, I just I still remember that final she had against Wozniacki a couple of years ago, and I just thought if Halep can recreate that um that form in ao again that would be that would set her on in good stead for um for for a victory so i i just i you know i'd really like to see her kind of win all four uh, you know across across the course of her career so yeah i've gone for halep for ao roland garros i've gone very rogue um <laughs> I know when, oh, well, I, when, you saw, when you saw what I <laughs> put down last night, you asked if I'd been drinking <laughs> yes. and the honest answer is no, I had not. <laughs> but I've gone for Carolina Mukova just purely because I always think Roland Garros, you know, normally get a maiden Grand Slam winner. And I just thought, Oh, who was sort of did quite well um, sort of last year. And I just, she was like the first name that came to my mind. Cause so I was quite impressed with, with what I've seen of her. So,
0: there is some method to the madness. <laughs>
1: it's just a random stab in the dark. Well, I just thought, oh, I mean, Sabalenka, you know, I, mean, uh, <laughs> I don't know, Yastrzemska, like all these names. No. I just thought, oh, i go for Mukova because, hey, Von Drusova reached the final and she came out okay. of nowhere. So that's true. okay. I'm, okay. I'm, I'm sticking with my Czech players. Um, so Wimbledon, I've gone for Andreescu. Um, I'm sure she'll win a Slam this year. I just don't exactly know which one, but I've plumped for Wimbledon, and then U.S. Open. I've gone for Osaka because I feel like again she's bound to win a Slam mm. in the next she year. She does love
0: a hard court. She does love she? a hard
1: court, and I think I just feel like if she can just get a kind of a stable mindset this season, and and you know, I, hopefully she's sort of learned to cope with obviously all the pressures and all her newfound you know fame and success. I'm sure she can start to work wonders again on the court.
0: Yes. So we have, so that's our, those are our grand slam predictions, but this is 2020 and we also have the Olympics in Tokyo. Um, and I think for me, the biggest thing I, I, the the biggest kind of change, I guess from last time was that the, I think it, this is now just going to be a best of three set tournament, isn't it? It's not, the final is not going to be best of five. Like it was in, um,
1: in uh, you know, like Rio it was in previous... um, yeah I yeah. think they've made it
0: three sets only I can't I mean as much as I would love to see obviously Andy Murray double defending Olympic champion win I just can't see that I can't see that happening but I can see Daniel Medvedev as my men's Olympic champion I just think he is such a machine when it comes to best of three set matches and He can beat anyone in a best of three set format on his day. Um, And And he did peak
1: around that time of of the year, Mm. didn't he? You know, in 2019. So if he can peak again at that time of the year, then he's onto a good one.
0: Yeah. So I think, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't see, uh, I mean, obviously Roger Federer, I think the only thing he's never won is Olympic gold in singles. Mm. I don't, I don't think that's going to happen as much as Uniglo might want it to. Um, uh, Yeah, I'm not sure. I'm, yeah, I'm going Medvedev, Men's champion, and I'm going Andreescu. Women's champion.
1: Okay, no, I think that, that you've gone for some pretty good ones there. I think that's that's a good good prediction. Uh, I've gone for Djokovic singles because again, he's not won a gold in the singles, well, all the doubles, but um, I don't think he's he's won a bronze. I think hasn't he in his time, but not not definitely not gold. So I just thought, oh, I'm, I've got him down to win Wimbledon, and I feel like his good form will continue into the Olympics, and then by the US Open, he'll be too tired. So, um, and then I've gone for Angelique Kerber as winning the women's. Um, yeah, that's, just, that's an interesting one. Yeah, but I just feel she like... The, she not might not have just, a good... I know, but I she feel like...
0: not have a good 2019.
1: She's one of those players that when she does put it together, she can just like, win tournaments. And I just feel like, you mm. know, she might just do that for the Olympics and then go back to kind of where she was before i mean monica puig is the defending women's single so it, it can be that a was kind a great of,
0: story yeah i more mind-boggling as time goes on like how did that happen i love it I, I love it but I, yeah fantastic um so the olympics yeah can throw up some some surprises um let's just finally end on who we think our year end number one men and women will be um, I have gone for, I can't see past Novak Djokovic as the year-end number one.
1: Same. Um, I just think,
0: I, I just think that his just kind of, as I said, his fitness and kind of, you know, mentally as well. I just think like he is still able to just kind of compete like across the whole, you know, the whole, the whole season. And, you know, I'm not sure, you know, with his nearest competitors like Nadal, you know, uh, you know. Obviously, I hope he has a completely injury-free season. But you know, as time goes on, you know, I feel like that becomes less likely. Um, so yeah, I'm going Novak Djokovic year-end number one for the men, and then year-end number one for the women, I'm going Andreescu. I think this is going to be. Um, Yeah, I think I think she is going to kind of continue her meteoric rise from last season and she's going to end as the year end number one for the women.
1: No, fair enough. I mean, I've gone for Djokovic as well. Same reasons as you've stated. And I've just gone for Osaka, actually, because I just feel she's going to have a really strong um, kind of US Open swing and Asian swing at the end of the year to clinch the year end number one. But there we go. See and watch our terrible predictions die.
0: (laughs) I know, I know. (laughs) Well, listeners, if you have your own predictions for the Grand Slams, for the Olympics, for the number one ranking, do let us know. Um, We are, of course, on social media. Uh, You can let us know on Twitter, at PassingShotPod. Remember to follow us as well on Instagram, again, at PassingShotPod. Or if you want to email the show, you can do so uh, at PassingShotPod at gmail.com uh we've also gone undergone a little bit of a, a branding job over the off season and we've updated our website so if you want to learn a little bit more about the passing shot a bit about our history a bit more about me uh, myself and Kim do check our website out it's www.thepassingshot.co.uk Uh, We will be back next, a week Sunday. Uh, We will be doing our Tennis on Telly preview pod. Uh, We did this for 2019, which proved very popular. We're going to be doing it again for 2020, where we're going to be uh, outlining where you can watch all the tennis uh, across the whole season with our special guest, Lee, at Tennis on Telly on Twitter. So hope you can join us then. Uh, But in the meantime, remember to uh, subscribe to us across all the platforms podcasting platforms out there wherever you listen to your podcasts um and give us a rating if you listen if you if you like it and are listening to us on apple podcasts uh but for now uh i hope you enjoyed the start the start to the new season with the atp cup and everything else that goes with it um we'll be watching intently so hope you have a good time and we'll see you in the new year thanks for listening and goodbye hi i'm daniel founder of pretty litter